0: I was thinking about our text this morning, and it made me think about some of the bowls that we have at the McAdams house. We don't have real fancy bowls, but I'm gonna I'm gonna show you a few of the bowls that we now this <laughs> this is my favorite. I told you how much I like ice cream. I also like cereal, so a plastic cereal bowl in my house. There's nothing better than that. So got a plastic cereal bowl. I got uh, now if you just come over to our house for soup or just something normal every day like that, you get a. A bowl, kind of like that. That's just our normal, everyday kind of bowl. And, and then this is this is one of the bowls that's part of the the set we got when we got married. You know, it's got little gold. Men, here's a little pro tip: don't put those in the microwave. I, I know from experience. Okay, so, but th- these bowls they come out twice a year: Thanksgiving and Christmas. And I was thinking as I came up here, if I break this one, I may need to get invited to your house for Thanksgiving. So. Uh, but you know I was thinking about all three of those and I was thinking you, you know I mean really I, I don't know any royalty any kings or queens but I suppose you could use any of those to serve a king I'd actually like to hang out with a king and eat some cereal out of the bowl I don't know but I you, you could theoretically use any of these bowls uh, to serve to serve a king right I mean you could have someone over and they would all work for that purpose They would also work for the purpose of a dog bowl. Now, I wouldn't want to deal with my wife after I use this as a dog bowl, but I could, theoretically, right? I I could use this bowl as a dog bowl. I could use any of these bowls as a dog bowl. I could use any of these bowls as a king's bowl. But you can't serve the king out of the dog's bowl. You understand what I'm saying? You can use any of them to serve the king, and you can use any of them to serve the dog, but you can't serve the king out of the dog's bowl. If you've been using a bowl, any of these bowls, even if it's the fanciest bowl you've ever seen, if you've been using it to serve the dog, you can't turn around and use it to serve the king. Right? If you want to take a bowl that you've been using to serve The dog and use it to serve the king. You first have to clean it, right? You gotta wash it. You you can't take something and use it for something that is what the Bible might call defiling. And then simultaneously try to use it for something holy. You can't serve the king from the dog's bowl. Here's how Paul puts it. If you got your Bible, we'll be in 2nd Timothy today. And I want to read this verse first. So 2nd Timothy chapter 2 and verse 20. Here's how he puts it. He says, Now in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay. Some for honorable use and some for dishonorable. You go into a house and there's all different kinds of, of vessels. They're, they're made out of all kinds of different things and they have different uses. Some uses are honorable and some uses are dishonorable. And he says this, therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, he will be a vessel for honorable use. Set apart as holy, useful to the master of the house, ready for every good work. Now, there's the awesome thing. Paul wants Timothy to know, and Paul wants everybody who reads this letter to know that every single one of us can be a vessel for honorable use, a vessel for God's, a vessel for God's use, that God has good things that he wants every single one of his people to accomplish. But there are things from which you must first be cleansed. And Timothy has to be warned. And everybody that reads Timothy's letter, because it's sort of an open letter, isn't it? We're reading it. We're reading Timothy's mail. It's an open letter. And everybody that reads his letter gets a warning that you have to be very careful about what you do with your life. Because you can't simultaneously give your life to the dogs and give your life to God. Now, you can take a life that used to be given to the dogs and you can cleanse yourself from that use and then offer your life to God. But you cannot simultaneously serve the king from the dog's bull, right? Right? And so I want to challenge us today as we think through what Paul writes to Timothy in this letter and think about our life and think about, are there things in my life that are disqualifying me, that are preventing me from fulfilling the calling to which all of us have been called? Look in your Bible, if you have your Bible, 2 Timothy chapter 1. So let's start at the beginning of the book, and we're going to work through several passages in 2 Timothy. This is Paul's last letter to this young man that he's mentored and taught and traveled with and worked with, and this young man that's preaching the gospel. And Paul is saying, I am fulfilling my purpose. I'm fulfilling the job that Jesus gave for me to do, and you've got to fulfill the job that Jesus gave you to do, and he warns him, there are things along the way, and there are people along the way, that if you're not careful, they'll keep you from fulfilling what God wants you to accomplish. Look at 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 8. Therefore, don't be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God who, listen to this, who saved us and called us to a holy calling. Not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began. By the power of God, God saved us and called us to a holy calling. Now, you need to understand that everybody who is saved is also, what's the word there? Called, right? I mean, some people are waiting for God to like call them up on the telephone and say, hey, I got a mission for you. That's not the way it works. When you were saved, when you heard the good news about Jesus, you heard the calling. I've got a mission for you. I've got a mission for you. I want you to be on my team. I want you to be working for me. And and look at the, the word that describes the calling. This invitation to work for God. It's, what's the H word there? You see it? Holy. It's a holy calling. It's a holy invitation. It's an invitation to a holy lifestyle. Like a priest. Isn't that what Peter says? Peter says that we are a royal priesthood. That when you became a Christian, when you were saved, you were called to a holy calling. That's not just Paul. Paul is fulfilling his holy calling and Timothy is fulfilling his holy calling, but it's not just for apostles and evangelists and preachers and teachers. It's for all of us. It's for all y'all. It's for every single one of God's people. We're all called to a holy calling. We're all a priesthood. Raise your hand if you're a parent or a grandparent. Or or raise your hand if you're a, keep it up, aunt or an uncle. Or or if you ever come into contact with young people. That's all of us, isn't it? I hope. Do you realize that's a holy calling? Do you realize that when you minister to young people, even if it's a mom changing a baby's diaper and feeding them food and keeping them warm and clothed, that's a part of your holy calling. Dads, when you go to work and you earn a paycheck and you put a roof over your kid's head and you clothe them and feed them, that's a part of your holy calling. You're serving God by serving your family. Now, now raise your hand if you have any friends or family members or neighbors or coworkers or classmates who are not Christians. Raise your hand. Okay, that's all of us. And we, we all know somebody who doesn't know Jesus. You taking them the message of Jesus, and you loving them in the name of Jesus, and them knowing who you are, as you love them and you're friends with them and you help them and you encourage them, that is a holy calling. You remember in the Old Testament when the priests would go into the temple and they would serve God and they'd have to wear special clothes and they'd have to do special ceremonies and rituals? That that holiness of taking off the old, the dirty, the defiled, and putting on something clean and something new and going in and doing sacred work. That's what you're called to do every day. Moms and dads and grandparents and aunts and uncles and neighbors and friends and coworkers and classmates, you are called to a holy calling. It's, it's gigantic. It's monumental. If this bowl got a message that said, today you serve the king. This says, wow, I've served Wes before, that's, that's nothing special, and I, I've served his kids, that's better, but it's, you know, but but I've never served a king before. For the rest of your life, little bowl, you serve the king. For the rest of your life, you serve the king. And whatever it is that you're doing, and no matter how minuscule your job, you say, I'm just a bull, yeah, but you're a bowl in service of the king. It's a holy calling to which you've been called. And Paul wants Timothy to remember that. Remember, Timothy. And remember, everybody who reads Timothy's letter is that you've been saved and called to a holy calling. You don't have to wait for God to call you on the telephone to say, hey, guess what, Bob? Hey, guess what, Sue? You've got a job to do. It's a holy calling now. as soon as you became a Christian, you accept it a life of a priest, to go into the world and minister to people on behalf of the king and to come before the king and minister to him on behalf of humanity, you have been called to a holy calling. And there's a warning that goes with that. There's something you have to be very careful that you don't throw that away. Because you can't serve the king out of the dog's bowl. Let's read another text. Second Timothy chapter two, next chapter. So turn a page, maybe. Second Timothy two and verse four. No soldier, he says, gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. You see, I mean, a soldier is, has a one track mind. I gotta do what my commanding officer tells me to do. I have to do what the one who enlisted me told me to do. I have to accomplish the mission that I've been called to accomplish. I've been assigned a task and i got to do that. I can't allow myself, listen to that phrase, get entangled, get entangled in civilian affairs. If you thought of your life that way and you thought about the fact that when you go to work or when you go to school, Or when you're diapering your little boy or your little girl, or when you're taking care of your grandkids, or when you're taking care of your aging parents, or when you're ministering to your next door neighbor whose life is falling apart. If you realize that there's more to what you're doing than what is on the surface, that you are fulfilling your calling, that you're a soldier on a mission, a mission of peace, a mission of joy, a mission of love, a mission of self-control, and that you can't afford to get entangled in civilian affairs because, because the stakes are too high. The stakes are too high for us to forget our mission, for us to go to school or to go to work or to hang out with our neighbors and to forget about the one who enlisted us and the mission to which we've been called. He says in verse 5, an athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the, what church? The rules. That, that according to the rules is actually one word in the Greek. It's legally. He competes legally. Right? Now, if, if you've been alive when I've been alive and most of you have been alive when I've been alive, but... You know that there were a lot of athletes here fairly recently that got in trouble, not because of what they did on the field, but because they cheated when they got off the field. And it tarnished their record on the field. They were great and they were respected and their names would have gone down in history, but now, now they don't go down in history the same kind of way because they did something that was against the rules in order to get ahead. They were looking at the short-term wins rather than the long-term wins. And so easily, and that's what Paul is t- saying to Timothy, isn't it? Don't cheat. Don't lose, don't lose sight of where you're going and what you're doing. Don't do anything that would disqualify you from accomplishing and fulfilling the mission that God has sent you on. It's too important. The stakes are too high. Don't, don't leave the path. Don't get entangled in all of this stuff. There's all this stuff going around, and I know, and we'll get specific about what that is, but there's all this stuff around you, Timothy, and it can hold you back, and it can detour you and get you off track. Don't let it. The stakes are too high. Verse 6, it's the hardworking farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. You see, soldier and athlete and farmer, you have a job to do, and it's going to be worth it, right? I mean, I, I hated showing up to church and people just say, be good, don't be bad, do this good stuff, don't do that bad stuff. And forget to remind me, Wes, you have a calling, a mission from God that when you go out into the world, whatever you do, do it in the name of Jesus. Do it, do you know how monumental that is, that you get to go to work in the name of Jesus, that you get to feed a baby in the name of Jesus, that you get to help somebody who's hurting in the name of Jesus, that he's your king and you belong to him, and you're a soldier in his army, an athlete running in his race, a farmer in his field, a priest in his service. That's who you are. That's who you are. And tomorrow or this afternoon, and the next day and the next day, you have the privilege and the honor of serving our king. And it will so be worth it. Now, skip down a few verses. Verse 22, he says, so because of all this, flee youthful passions. I mean, just think about ministers for a second, preachers for a second. How many preachers do you know over the years? And I'm, as a preacher, I'm constantly reminded of this. This is constantly on my mind. How many preachers do you know over the years who have ruined their ministry, who have ruined their influence, because they pursued youthful passions? That's what Paul's telling Timothy. Flee youthful passions. And it's no more important for me than it is for you. It's no more significant for Timothy than it is for you. That you have a ministry. I'm not the only one with a ministry. The the guys and the, the people on staff here at McDermott Road, we're not the only people with ministries. The elders and the deacons, they're not the only ones with ministries. If you're a Christian, you have a ministry, whether you acknowledge it or not. You have a ministry. And your ministry can be crippled if you don't refuse to pursue youthful passions, if you don't say, I will not go down that path, the moment we start to go down that path and we start doing things that are a little bit uncomfortable because we know this is probably putting me in a compromising position, we ought to remember not only that our souls are at stake, But the work to which we've been called is at stake. So flee youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace, along with all those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. Have nothing to do with foolish, ignorant controversies. You know that they breed quarrels, and the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, able to teach, patiently enduring evil, correcting his opponents with gentleness. God may perhaps grant them repentance, leading to a knowledge of the truth. So, I mean, look at some of those things as you look through these verses. The things that might disqualify Timothy from fulfilling the calling to which he'd been called. Youthful passions and foolish, ignorant controversies and quarrels and impatience when dealing with evil. And instead, as opposed to that, he's called to live a life of righteousness and faith and love. And peace. Do, do you ever stop in the middle of a political discussion? Should we call it a discussion? In the middle of a political discussion and say, What's this doing to my priestly service to God? What's this doing to my priestly service? I'm I'm supposed to be a minister of the Lord and going out into the world and doing good in the name of Jesus and I get all riled up and quarrelsome. What's this doing to the work I'm called to do? Do we stop and think about our life and our words The things we look at, the things we do, and the things we say, and the people we hang out with, and the places we go, not just in light of eternity, but in light of our ministry, in light of our work, in light of the holy calling to which we've been called. Look at chapter 3 in verse 1, 2 Timothy 3 in verse 1. He says this, but understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty, for people will be... just. Think about this list. Lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable. Listen to this word. Slanderous. Have you ever known anybody to be slanderous? Say something about somebody they don't like just because they don't like them, whether or not that piece of information or news is true, right? Slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness but denying its power. Now, he doesn't just end this list by saying, Timothy, don't be that way. He says this, avoid such people. Now, sometimes... We come into contact with those kinds of people and we can't really help it, I guess. <laughs> but how many of us, I won't make you raise your hand on this one, but how many of us have seen this kind of behavior on television? Slander? If you haven't seen slander on the news, you haven't been watching the news, right? I mean, if you haven't, if you haven't seen these kinds of things, lovers of money, lovers of pleasure, abusive, slanderous. And we said, well, I'm not, I'm not that way, Wes. I don't, I didn't say you did. Paul didn't say Timothy did. He said, avoid such people. There ought to be a red flag that goes off in our head that says, warning, warning, hold on, stop, slow down. Wes, do I realize that by filling my mind with all of this, by allowing this to be my influencers, I very well might be hurting my ministry the holy calling to which I've been called. That these thoughts and these words, this love of money or love of pleasure or love of self, this disobedience to parents and this abusiveness and this slanderousness, all of this is defiling me. Not my clothes, not my hands, not food I put in my mouth. You see, that's what the Pharisees were all concerned with. I mean, got to get all that defiling off your clothes. Got to get all that, def- don't eat anything defiled. And Jesus says, that's not the point. The point is what's in your head, what's in your heart. Jesus says, it's not what goes into your mouth that defiles you. It's what comes out of your mouth. Because that proceeds from the evil in your heart. And church, do we see that? Some of the stuff we're watching and looking at and listening to, being entertained by, it is defiling us. And we are forgetting the life to which we've been called. You see, you can't serve the king from the dog's bowl. Let's read again what Paul says in chapter 2 and verse 20. Now in a great house... They're not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honorable use, from some for dishonorable. Therefore, if anyone, here's the key, if anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, he will be a vessel for honorable use, set apart as holy, useful to the master of the house, ready for every good work. It doesn't, it doesn't matter where you've been or what you've done or who you've been with. What matters is from this day forward, what are we going to do? Are we going to continue to try to serve the king and the dog out of the same bowl? Or are we going to say, I'm a holy vessel and I want to cleanse myself from everything that defiles? And here's something I think we need to learn to say. We need to learn to say, I can't do that. I can't do that. I have holy work to do. Sometimes we have to learn to say that. When we see something coming on television and we say, I can't watch that. I'm not just talking about pictures of people without enough clothes on, although that's at the top of the list too, right? I'm talking about things that people say about each other. The abusive way people talk about each other. We need to say to ourselves, I can't watch that. I have holy work to do. When you have pictures coming up on your computer of people not wearing enough clothes, you need to say, I can't look at that. I have holy work to do. When you're in a conversation and someone is gossiping about someone else and you're tempted to listen and join in and pile on, you have to have a little warning light go off in your head and you have to learn to say, I have to learn to say, I can't participate in that. I have holy work to do. When we're tempted to go somewhere or say something or do something or watch something or look at something, we need a reminder of who we're called to be and the life we're called to live, the impact we're called to make on children and on unbelievers, on neighbors and coworkers and classmates, on friends and family members. You are important to God. You are a vessel that he wants to cleanse and he wants to use that vessel for his own service to do good in the world. But we keep stealing out of his hand and using it to feed the dogs. And we have to have something that goes off in our head that says, I can't do that. I have holy work to do. Church, you are called to a holy calling. God invited you, not, not through a special feeling you had, not through a telephone call you got, but by the gospel of Jesus Christ, He invited you to be a part of what He's doing in the world. So let us all be incredibly careful that we're not doing anything to compromise ourselves to destroy our ministries, to disqualify ourselves from fulfilling the holy calling to which we've been called. There's a lot of us, I'm sure, me included, that has things in our life that we need to cleanse ourselves from. And maybe in order to be cleansed, you need to be baptized because you haven't made that step yet. Or maybe you've done that and you just need prayers. We are here for each other Let's leave here a different person than we came here, committed to living out the calling to which we've been called. Our shepherds would love to pray with you or visit with you or help you or hear you, listen to you, lean on each other's shoulders, or right now, come forward as together and we stand and sing this song.